Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of The Irish Home Show, your guide to Ireland's homes and property. I'm your host, Ben Thompson, the friendly estate agent. When I'm not selling homes for my clients, I'm also doing a lot of work to help inform buyers and sellers, renters and landlords about the Irish homes and property market. For years, I've been writing at my online magazine, irishhome.ie, and last year I wrote and published the first ever Irish Home Buyers Journal, a guide to taking you through the steps to buying your first home. This podcast is the centerpiece in a ton of new educational guides, articles, and resources for aspiring home buyers and hopeful home movers. Each week, the Irish Home Show is bringing you a variety of news and stories, fun features, in depth explainers, and expert guest interviews on various aspects around the Irish home. Now, you're joining us at the start of season one, where we're going to be focused on the house buying process in Ireland. Each week, we'll be tackling a topic on the journey to buy your first or your future home. From saving a deposit, to applying for a mortgage, to house hunting, to going set agreed, and finally getting those keys. By the end of the next 10 episodes, we'll have a complete guide to buying your next home. This week, we're starting at the very beginning of almost everyone's house buying journey savings. First up, I'm going to be running through our Savings 101 Explainer, a guide to what you need to save and why when you're looking to buy a home. Then I'm going to be talking to the brilliant Kel Gallivan, aka Mrs. Smart Money, about your money mindset and how to prepare good habits for saving for a deposit. After I've spoken to her, we're going to be running through some really fun features I have at the end of the show. We take our flight of fancy through what's out there on the housing market in our features in, out and away and new home versus old home. Finally, we'll finish up the show with some latest news that is important for you to know. So stick around for the end of the show. If you're listening to the podcast, I urge you to go find our social media to see some of the videos and the visuals around each show. You'll find us on Instagram at Irish Home Magazine, and this whole show will also be on YouTube. Just search for Irish Home Magazine, and I'll include all the links in the show notes below. In the meantime, please subscribe to the Irish Home Show wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get each of our episodes next week in your feed. Are you ready? Then let's get started on your home buying journey. The Irish Home Show is brought to you by the Irish Home Buyers Journal, our guide to buying your first or your future home. This 64-page hardback ring-bound book takes you through every step in your house buying journey, from saving your deposit to applying for your mortgage, from house hunting through to getting your keys. It's filled with useful tips and tricks, essential checklists for each stage in the journey, plus fill-in-yourself pages to track your progress towards your ultimate goal. It's a must-have for any home buyer. Visit irishhome.ie to order your copy today or see our shop links on Instagram at irishhomemagazine. Use the discount code SHOW, S-H-O-W, to get free shipping on your order. 
Welcome to our explainer section. Each week, I'm going to spend just five minutes explaining one part of the house buying process. This week, we are talking savings 101. I'm going to give you a brief overview of why we're saving towards a house, what that money is needed for, how much you're going to need, and some of the schemes out there that may help you in that process. Most people, when buying a house, are going to fund most of the purchase price with a mortgage. But you're also going to have to provide some cash on your own. This is known as a deposit or your equity stake. Let's think of a fictional couple just to illustrate the point. Chris and Kira are hoping to buy a house. The property prices in their area average around 350000 For that price, perhaps they get an inner-city two-bed apartment or a suburban three-bed semi-detached. Or perhaps they could live outside of the city and get a detached family home. Now, the first thing they're going to need is a deposit. That needs to be at least 10% of the value of the house. Central bank rules stipulate that a first-time buyer can only borrow up to 90% of the value of a home. This is designed to stop first-time buyers over-leveraging and taking too much debt. And it also protects the banks from over-lending. So any first-time buyer here buying a €350,000 house is going to need €35,000 in cash. If you're a second-time buyer, unfortunately, The rule is 80-20. You have to have 20% of the value of the home to buy the property and only up to 80% of the value can be a mortgage. I know it feels frustrating, especially when you're trying to afford ever-increasing house prices, but it's probably best that this scheme has been in place for almost a decade. Otherwise, house prices would have probably got even more out of control. The second major cost is your purchase costs. That is mostly made up of two major things. Stamp duty, which is a tax payable to revenue. Now it's 1% on the value of the purchase price of the property, up to 1 million euros. On any purchase over a million euros, every extra euro is taxed at 2%. It used to be up to 9%, so we're quite happy that it's only at 1% or 2% at the moment. The second major cost is going to be your solicitor's fees. They are your major professional fees that you need to pay when you're buying a home. Typically, that could be anywhere between 1,200 or 1,500 euros for an average property. Uh, It could be two or 3,000 euros if it's a more complicated or a more expensive property. On top of that, there's usually extra searches that might be an extra 500 or 1,000 euros. After this, there's a couple of little bits and extras. Uh, Surveyors usually cost around 500 euros. That's an essential part of the process to make sure you are buying a house that is solid and is not going to have major issues that you can't see on the surface. Finally, if you're getting a mortgage, the bank are going to require a valuer goes out to the house to have a look at it, make sure it's there, and make sure it's worth the value that you're paying for it. That could be an extra €150 that you have to pay. So let's look at the figures for our couple, Chris and Kira. They're buying a house worth €350,000. They need a deposit of €35,000. That's 10% of the purchase price. Their purchasing costs are going to add up to probably around €6,000. That's solicitor's fees coming to about £2,000. Stamp duty would be 1% of the purchase price, so €3,500. Survey, £500. Valuation, £150. All in all, then, to buy a house of €350,000, they're going to need cash in their bank of around €41,000. Now, many buyers are very fortunate that they have help from family to fund their purchase of a property. 
Almost 50% of buyers at the moment are using bank of mum and dad as their main funding source for their deposit. However, you may have the 40 or so thousand euros sitting in your bank account ready to go. That doesn't mean you don't need to save. When we come on to mortgages in the next couple of weeks, we'll explain that the mortgage banks still need to see your ability to save because that shows you have the ability to repay the mortgage to them in the future. So even if you have the full cash amount you need ready to go in the bank, you probably need to be saving for about six months prior to applying for your mortgage just to prove that you can afford the repayments. Don't worry if you're renting. That will also count too because obviously once you've bought a house, you won't be renting anymore. So if you're spending a thousand euros a month, that will be taken into account as something that would go towards your repayment capacity. Finally, it does feel like a daunting amount of money to be able to save up. There are a couple of government schemes that are designed to help out first-time buyers in particular. One is the Help to Buy scheme, which will fund up to €30,000 of a deposit. The second is a new one, the First Home Shared Equity Scheme, which will fund up to 30% of the value of the home. You can use both together. However, they're only applicable on new-build homes. They will not apply to buying a second-hand home. I'll come on to these in more detail in later explainers in the next couple of weeks. That's your explainer about savings. Coming up next, I'm talking to Kel Gallivan, Mrs. Smart Money, about money mindset and preparing good financial habits for saving money towards a home. Next week, I'm going to be talking about savings again in our explainer. I'm going to go into more practical details about how to budget your money, how to save, where to save. And we are going to be talking to Kaz Mooney, her of at Irish Budgeting on Instagram. She has blown up in the last year with practical tips and really good explainers about how to budget carefully. Now, let's get on to our interview this week with Kel Gallivan. So welcome. This week, I'm talking to Kel Gallivan. She is Mrs. Smart Money. You'll see her on Instagram. And she is a money-saving expert who got out of her own position of debt and is now teaching other people to do the same. Kel, how are you? I am great. It's great to be on here today, then. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, I'm so excited to have you as our first guest. Um, as you know, you know, this first season is going to be talking through mostly from the perspective of someone trying to buy their, probably their first home. Uh, and we're working our way through and the, the first step for most people will be savings and getting people on the right track to even think about getting a mortgage, even think about being able to buy a house is to have a savings for a deposit ready to go. Um, so we're going to start talking about that. You are the expert on that and you do some brilliant stuff on your Instagram uh, and, and all your other, on your websites and stuff like that. So tell me, how did you get into becoming this expert? Oh, goodness. My poor story. It was, you can, you can sum it up by saying accident, uh, life. <laughs> but like, I think a lot of people out there will, will understand where I'm coming from because I would have started off not having a clue about money, making all the mistakes that everybody oh, makes yeah. that we all learn the hard way. And, and my heart goes out to people that were trying to save for deposit because it's not easy. It's absolutely no, not especially easy. in, in this current market. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really turned on its head because like my story started when things were flipped 180, when you could literally walk in and you got a mortgage. But the problem with that is nobody explained to you. Now I signed on another line. I know that <laughs> nobody explained to you what a mortgage was. And if you weren't ready for it and it was 100% mortgages, this kind of thing. And it, it was. In a way, it was like the wild west of mortgages. And I remember getting my mortgage, but delighted with myself, bought a house off the plans, didn't see the house for another year. 
like you could have two or three houses really if you wanted, but you didn't understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you didn't understand that you had to pay that money back. So when recession hit in, and this is sometimes kind of for younger people coming up, and you might kind of look back and go, well, oh, well, you could get the money. But now when you flip it 180, it's you're trying to save this money. People now, and they're trying to get the money together to get on this property ladder. It's the same thing, but it's flipped. You're in this impossible position and it can be, it can be tough, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it's worth discussing, actually. You know, now, back then, it, they would lend to anyone. Now, we have been under much stricter Central Bank of Ireland rules for the last almost 10 years or so, where you have to have uh, a certain amount of deposit. First-time buyers will have to have 10% of the value of the house. Uh, and lenders are under a strict uh, criteria. They'll only lend you, the rule of thumb is about three and a half times your income. It may, there are a few exceptions that will take that up to four or four and a half. Um, but in general, it's been a much more carefully restricted market, which has probably been a good thing. Uh, house prices have increased a huge amount in the last 10 years, almost doubled, but they probably would have been worse if it wasn't for, for these restrictions. So yeah, young people have a different challenge now. Instead of being having money thrown at them that they might not be able to afford, they're almost having to overprove that they can afford a house that the mortgage might be less than the rent they're paying at the moment. And for anybody who is saving up for a deposit for a house, like, don't lose heart. Don't give up on it. Keep building it. Keep building it. Your time will come. And when it comes to kind of a saving mindset, and I, and I hope this will help some people, is that if you truly want this home, this home that's going to be your forever home, not an investment home, not a uh, not an extra home, just your forever home, focus on that. That is going to be the thing that's going to drive you forward. You will get it. It might take a bit longer, but when you're making financial decisions with your money coming in, just think, do I want this home or do I want this impulse purchase or do I want this instant gratification now. And I'm kind of jumping in a little bit deep straight away, but when it no, comes great. to that kind of mindset, it is thinking about what do you value over and above everything? So that's a good place to, for us to, to, to jump in on. And your, a lot of your, your thinking is, is mindfulness and you've written the book on it, Mindful Money. Uh, which we'll talk about more in a bit. Um, it's actually really important. I think a lot of people are, you're under pressure to save and a lot of what they are feeling is, do I have to live this completely frugal life and cut off everything? Have no fun, have no joy. Um, or, but I like the way you have phrased that, uh, you've allowed people to think about that in a different way. Uh, you talk about it as mindful spending. Tell me a bit about that. Yes. And actually, you used a brilliant word there, frugal, frugality. My personal ethos is not about deprivation. It is not about frugality. It is about spending money where you get value. Okay. And I'm going to give some, give you a practical idea of where this, what this looks like, because it's all nice to be esoteric and stuff, but it is important to be practical because money is practical and it's a skill like everything else. So if you have, you're working hard for your income. You have been trained, you've qualified, you've had time, experience, you've good bosses, bad bosses, all that sort of thing. You give so much to your company. And as a result, they give you a paycheck. And that mm -hmm. paycheck has to be used to pay your bills, pay electricity, go on holidays, save your deposit, get your groceries. But nobody teaches you really how to do that. So for somebody who is relatively new to budgeting, they're not fully sure what to do. Something that's really handy is figuring out where your money's going. So when I say that, I'm going to uh, have a quick chat about a money audit. And a money audit is a really simple way of budgeting. If you're not into the paper budgeting and if you're not into Excel and, and sitting down and going through all the not your thing, this is a really simple way of finding money that you maybe didn't know you had. Okay. And then you can channel that towards your, your deposit. So, and a money audit, very simple. You have your income and you have your expenses. 
Now, anybody who is saving, who doesn't want to go down the full-on deprivation, who wants to have a balance in their life, I would highly recommend you work out what your expenses are per month. And you can do this by getting a bank statement, one or two bank statements, and literally running down, like, what's your rent? What's your ESP? What's, what are these bills that you have the, to pay? The, the essentials that you can't yeah. change, they don't vary particularly. Yeah, you have to pay them just to keep your life ticking over. Yeah. You work out what they are. And then you look at your income and you know what your income is coming in. It's usually on your pay slip. And you go, okay, well, what's the gap? What's the difference between the two of those? And that's the money that you can save. But once you find what that gap is, you might kind of go, do you know what? I'm doing better than I thought. Might yeah. have the lower than yeah. I thought. Which, which is a really empowering thing because you have the numbers now and you can see. So don't be totally afraid of doing this. But on the other side, you go, well, you know what? I'd love a bit more wiggle room here. Mm. That's when you do your money audit. And the money audit is you take your same sheet, your same bank statement, and you run down through it, but you get three highlighters. You right. Your green highlighter, your amber highlighter, yellow highlighter, and your red highlighter. Like, see your face. Like, <laughs> see where this is going right. now. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, see this as a game, okay? Absolutely see this game. Sit Real down. Bank statement is definitely, yeah, <laughs> my, my favorite pastime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. It's not necessarily hobby. Everybody is still hobby, but this is definitely worth doing. And the reason it's worth cool. doing is you get your green highlighter, you go down through it, and you have the bills that you have no wiggle room on, but they mm. bring value. They're very important. And I would include in this, like, if you're, if there's a particular subscription that you use a lot that you love and that you, you'd really miss it if it was gone. Keep that in green. We're not okay. going to cut out all the good things of the life, but do keep the things that you have to have in your, in your life to keep everything going. So they're your greens. Then you have your ambers. Your ambers are the things where you kind of go, okay, I could be doing a bit better on that. I could renegotiate that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. maybe, you know, work on the grocery a little bit. You're, they're your amber things where you could, without massive effort, put them into green, make them a bit better. Okay. And then there's the reds. Hmm. The reds are the eye-opener ones. And we all know the reds because they're the ones where we look at our statement and go, what is that? Yeah. I have no idea what that is. Don't remember doing that. What was that about? The reds are the ones where we kind of go, oh. But the reality is the reds are the ones that it's where money wasn't spent wisely. It's the impulse spending. It's a spending we mm-hmm. forget. It's a spending that usually ends up in landfill about six months' time. That I get way. it. It's a, it's a ASOS or the uh, you know the online shopping late nights or something like that. Or it may not be big things. It may be lots of little things. Once you've highlighted a, a couple of pages in in green, uh, amber, and red, you suddenly see like what well, these you know twenty euro here, five euro here, and you realize it quickly adds up. And that might be the, the weekly takeaway or the uh, the coffees or something like that or the lunch that you could have brought from home. And those quickly add up, and you realize that could be a few thousand a year. Absolutely. And quite often there'll be things in the mix there that you would have forgotten about. So there could mm. be a subscription you signed up for and it was a free trial and it just mm-hmm. kept rolling. And yep. you get a couple of those in a month and let's say, let's pretend it was 10 euro a month and you have two or three of those. And that's several hundred euro that you didn't mm-hmm. even notice or maybe put much mass on yep. until now, until now you realize, ah, I want a home. I want more out of life. And I would sooner have that 10 euro a month going towards my deposit for my home than to a company that I don't get value from because I'm not using it. Mm. And so what you do then is you give yourself little jobs and you just go, right, this week I'm going to cancel these three subscriptions. Or this week I'm going to renegotiate my ESB. And just little small steps like that. And you'll be surprised the amount of money that you can free up month on month. And by cutting those expenses, you're not cutting out your life. You're not having deprivation frugality. It's just 
cutting out the things that don't really matter to you at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I like the way you 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 phrase it as you know you're you're waiting uh, where your money is going. You know, what is this worth? Is this worth me having a, the enjoyment of a takeaway on a Friday night or something like that? Or is the the value the the benefit I'm going to get from getting a house in a year or two's time is that combined better than all those little instances? And really be mindful about where you're putting your money uh, and what the greater goal is. Yes. And once you do that over time, and I would recommend people would do this ideally at least once a year. But if you, if you're new to it, I'd say like nearly every month. I, I do it nearly most weeks at this stage, but it gets faster yeah. and faster as you do it. It, it gets really, yeah. really fast. And you just go, Oh goodness. Yeah. We need to cancel that subscription. Oh goodness. Do you know what? Didn't have to do that top up shop. There was food in the fridge and you'll be surprised how quickly you can loosen up 10, 20, 100 euro a week, a month, whatever. Uh, all that money, if you channel it towards your deposit for your house or whatever it is you need to do to get your all your ducks in a row for that home, it would feel so good. You'll be so happy when you look at your next couple of statements. You go, you know what? That's nearly all green, a few embers. I can deal with that. And it puts you back in the driver's seat. And it's amazing the difference because you see somebody who's saving for a house who's in control of it versus somebody who doesn't necessarily, isn't ready for the full mindset of it yet. Huge difference in their confidence and, and their belief in getting the home as well. Yeah, I see. Um, I, I talk to online a lot of first-time buyers who are out there saving and um, they send me, sometimes you know, they send me screenshots of, of um, from their buyer's journal of the pages. You know, we have some great fill-in pages there where you fill in your uh, your monthly savings, whatever it is, and then build up. Uh, there's a little sort of chart you can color in and shows you go. And some of the things they send me are incredible. The amount of saving, you know, you can sort of highlight as you go. And people send me screenshots of this because it's my favorite page and people fill it in all with, with different colors and things like that or shade it in nicely. And people send me these and they're fantastic. And I'm just blown away by how focused uh, some people are. It's usually, it's usually if it's a part, a couple, it's normally the girl. And, uh, and they can be phenomenal. And a lot of them now, they're, they're undergoing hardship. They're maybe living at home with parents and saving on rent, uh, or, you know, they're living super frugally, not eating out. And, you know, they're just having a, a blitz for six months or 12 months, whatever it is. Um, but they're putting away incredible amounts of money. Um, especially as a couple, I know for single buyers, it's much, much harder, both in terms of being able to save and also getting a mortgage. But with couples, sometimes, you know, they're spending, you know, with saving all of one person's income, completely going to savings. And and sometimes they've saved an incredible amount in just a year. I just don't know how they do it. So they're very focused. That's where you got to be, I guess. Actually, even just using your journal there is looking at it, the fact of, of taking the time to color it in, to track the stuff that reinforces in your mind what you want and where you're going. And if you do that regularly enough, you won't get distracted by the impulsive things because you know this is what I want more than anything else. That's why we wanted to have a physical journal there because it actually you can track it on a spreadsheet and that sort of thing. But actually seeing it in your hands and coloring in with pencil or pen or highlighted by yourself really makes a difference. Now, these days, it has got better. Things like Revolut accounts where you can, you can quite quickly see where the money's coming in and you can deposit little amounts here and there or do little top-ups and stuff like that. It's very clever. And I think it almost gamifies the, the savings routine. And there's other apps that do that as well. Um, but this is a nice sort of old school physical way that you can see it. And I do, I do think it helps, you know, if you're, if you're sort of starting here, you, you know, it looks less uh, insurmountable. If you're halfway up, you feel like, look how far I've come and uh, look how much I have to go. And that gives you the motivation to get to the next sort of level or to get all the way to the top. So no, I think all those little things do help people. Um, just keep focused and uh, keep going with it because it's tempting to, to get halfway and you feel like it's, you've, you've lived a frugal life for six months and it's, it's very tough, but you know, p- push through and you'll get there. 
You absolutely will. And even if the journey takes a little bit longer than what you'd like it to, just keep moving forward and don't underestimate the power of the small things done well. The 20 euro saves on a takeaway, the getting rid of a subscription, the renegotiating electricity. Don't underestimate that because each of those add up and that put aside compounds. And that's mm-hmm. what gets you your result. That's a really good point. Okay. So uh, you you um, you came out of the book only a couple of years ago now. You, in 2019, really set yourself on this path. Uh, tell me about where you were then and what you did in that year to really get yourself in a better position. The, yes, I did a, a no-spend year. <laughs> I'm hearing this all the time now. It's become more popular. It sounds terrifying, but tell me a bit more. It's, do you know what? It goes back to what do you want most out of life? So back in 2018, like I had been in my job for 16 years, had my master's and all that sort of thing. And I really enjoyed what I did. But I noticed during that time that I was spending more and more time away from the kids. Yeah. And I kind of went after a while. Yes, I was bringing in money. And yes, the things were very, I'm very, very fortunate and very lucky. But I found that my kids' childhood was passing me by and I wasn't around to see it. And I remember like one week in particular that I hadn't seen my kids awake at all. I was gone so early in the morning and I went to this weekend here. I was gone so early in the morning and by the time I came back, they were in bed. So I, mm. all I was seeing was their like cute wetty heads to the bed, <laughs> you know, give them a little pipe down their forehead yeah. or whatever, but they wouldn't have seen me. And I'm like, mm. this, is, this is not what I wanted out of life. I I loved working and I loved my job, but I I I wanted to be around for my kids. So it scared the living daylights out of me because... I have always worked from being very, very young. I'm a Wexford girl, so I would have picked strawberries from the ages of four and five and worked the boat yeah. up a lot. I would have always had my own income and the thought of not having that scared me. And the thought of leaving mm. a job I worked for 16 years scared me even more. But I knew that if I didn't do this, if I didn't step back in some shape or form, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So I took a big, deep breath, shed loads of tears because the fear that was in me doing this was just... Yes, it was, it was fearful, but I handed in my notice. Scariest thing I ever, ever did. And I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make the income that we did have work as hard as it possibly could. And for that, I said I was going to do a no spend year. And the no spend year was a life changer, a game changer for us. The short version is I wrote out a manifesto for myself. I love my rules. I love my structure. My background is science. So it's the nerdy part. We just come through every now and again. <laughs> but I said, no, if I had a set of rules, that's super strict rules, but you probably call them more guidelines okay. that I would stick to throughout the year and just to see how it would go. I had nothing to lose. And in one way, everything to gain. I was going to get this year with the kids and then I think I might go back to work or whatever. So over the year, I decided right, I was going to give up alcohol. Me personally, I, I stopped buying clothes. We stopped eating out. Um, I we I decided I was going to try and cut our food budget in half, which we ended up doing, which I couldn't believe because that's incredible. Kids. Yeah, so you 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 got you set yourself a target of a hundred euro a week, uh, which would be under you know about five thousand for a year, which seems uh, with a, a family of four seems uh, undoable. It's I thought it was a stretch. Uh, and it did, to be fair, it did take me a while to get into it, mm. but it, it forced me to get very structured in how I shop. So like I had one uh, big shop, like once a week, and then I'd keep a little money back for a top up during the week. We all run out of milk. Yeah. All the bread, bread and milk. And all that yeah, exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I got much better at, um, it, just cooking meals from scratch and getting the most out of meals. But one of the big things that helped me save money with the shopping was looking at my food waste believe it or not, and right. working backwards mm. from there. So a big like the money audit, 
looking at the money that, that isn't bringing you the value. I was looking at my bin and I was kind of going, well, what's going into it? So I stopped buying lettuce for the whole year because I realized we bought it because you should be healthier. <laughs> but that nobody actually liked no, it. No, and it ended up in the bin a week later, yeah. Yeah, and it turns out they all loved broccoli. Yes, okay. they loved broccoli. Great. They have <laughs> They love broccoli. So I, I just buy broccoli and not buy lettuce. I mean, add carrots and tomatoes and all that. Instead, but it took me that time to slow down and realize well, what do we love eating? What can we cook from scratch? And and just and just take it from there and get very disciplined and structured in in how I did that. So that was the that was the food. Then with our uh, kind of discretionary spending, so days out and stuff where we might have gone to the cinema and things like that before. Mm-hmm. We focus more on parks and going to festivals and there's a lot of free things. If you look on Facebook or Eventbrite, there's family things you can do. Picnics, little frying pan, little camper stove, <laughs> anywhere in the world with little camper van and a pack of sausages and yeah. off you go and just mix that in with your food budget. I think that's one thing with COVID we've learned to do very well because everything was closed. It was at parks, beaches, bring your own picnic and that sort of thing. I think I've carried that on because uh, I think as the world has opened up again, everything is everything is busy. There are people everywhere and I'm just preferring to find a nice quiet playground or a woodland walk or something like that where I don't have to pay to get in because everything is expensive and there's no other people most of the time as well. Absolutely. And like we're so lucky in Ireland in some ways. Like We had the, you know, all the OPW sites, all these castles and gardens. And even if you do pay in, it's a couple of euro and you get a home yes, stay yeah. out. Like we, we are very lucky that way. But it's just to get that little bit organized, bring your picnic with you. The kids, they'll play anywhere. You know, yeah. They'll go anywhere and just throw on welly boots and rain jackets. And that's just as much fun in, in a different way. But yeah. even if you do want to go to cinema and stuff, you just mix it in with days that are no spend days. And no spend days, they're just days where you don't spend money except on your groceries or essential bills. And you mix those in and you'll be surprised how much money stays in your account when you look at it from from that point of view, what can I do that's fun today that doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money? And do you find that these habits or habits that you've continued are even after you, you focus on the no spend year, I don't think anyone's going to keep doing that forever and ever, but I, you probably end up with a much more um, careful sense, mindful sense of where your money's going and carry that on in certain areas afterwards. Yes, I I do remember coming up to New Year's Eve at the end of the year and uh, and I had been thinking, oh, I'm going to be wishing for New Year's Eve so I can just get back to pop, me. Pop the champagne corks after a year in their booze, yeah. Exactly. But as it turns out, no, I was quite happy. It, and, and even when I woke up New Year's morning and I could buy clothes again, I could do all those things. <laughs> I, I didn't. I actually didn't. Yeah. But actually, like, that's a slight little. I bought a pack of organic cotton bamboo socks. And they were the nicest socks I have ever had the entire life because I'd run out of socks at this stage. And I learned to appreciate quality soft socks. Yeah. There is something yeah. just gorgeous about that. But it made me understand that fast fashion isn't necessarily all it's cut out to be because during yeah. that year, since I couldn't buy clothes, all my the less expensive clothes, they kind of fell apart and they wore through. Yeah. Whereas the things that I had that were maybe of better quality, I still have them today. Yeah. And it's really made me learn that just buying fewer things and quite often buying secondhand or in thrift stores, secondhand stores, you'd be surprised what you can pick up for little money, but really good quality stuff. That's a great tip. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I liked it in your book as well. You have um, you, you know, sort of seven habits that you, I think you must have learned from this year. And then you carry, we should say, for, before we finish the no spend year bit, you saved how much in the one year? Just over 27,500 euro. We cut That's it. That's incredible. Bikes. 
And you were you quit you quit your job, so that was only off one income. Yeah, incredible. So we called our outgoings by twenty, just oh, just, just under twenty seven and a half thousand euro. So yeah, and that was right. everything. That was to cover across the right, board yeah. from yeah. food, you name it. But we didn't miss out on anything. Like no. oh, and no. well, um, one big thing that does come up a lot of people kind of say, well, what about holidays? We did the same holiday in twenty nineteen during the no spend year as we did in twenty eighteen to the same self-catering accommodation, to the same, it was by a beach, in the same, pretty much the same week, exactly the same, but it cost us nearly half because we had the picnics. We didn't eat out as much. Right. We didn't get the takeaway coffee as much. We made the coffee. That's incredible. The so you can still do the same sort of trip, but if you just do it the right way, um, you can still yeah. save a huge amount of money. Yeah, okay. That's Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've been the same. I don't think we, we haven't had a foreign uh, holiday for about eight years, I think, we go to England every year to see my family. But then, you know, we went to Cork for three days one year. We went to, to an Airbnb. We went to a small hotel in Galway another year. This year we may go to Derry or something like that. And we've explored the island and say, stayed cheaply, been frugal, bought our food in Tesco's or whatever locally and made our own picnics rather than eating out all the time. And it's done a world of good. It's been a wonder, yeah. And they've been, the kids love it. The kids still go on about this tiny little hotel pool that we were at in Galway, which is the smallest thing, uh, about the size of my desk here. Uh, but they still go on about it, how they loved it. So anyway, they, uh, they don't have expensive tastes, thank God. <laughs> no, they just, it's just something different, a new environment. That's it's, it, yeah. It's will play anywhere. So they will. And it's, you know yourself, the best times you've had in your life, it's the company that you've had. It's not necessarily how much you've spent on it. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I want, I wanted to get on to uh, some bits in your book. I don't want to go through it all because I want to save that for people who should go out and buy it. Because uh, if you're starting out on your savings journey and you really want someone to uh, help focus your mindset, I really I think it's worth picking up as well as following Cal online. But your your habits there, I'm interested in the, in the, first, the first couple. Um, your first one is pay yourself first. This is something that I think comes up a lot with savers. Um, talk me through that and how that can apply for someone who is trying to put away money for a mortgage, for a deposit. Yes. So pay yourself first. It is a game changer when it comes to saving. It is an absolute game changer, but there's a mindset shift attached to it. So and what that looks like is um, traditionally we get our paycheck in and we have all these bills going out and you have mm-hmm. all these things to pay out and then life happens and there's weddings and Christmases and birthdays and all this. We have to get this, that and the other. You rock up to the end of the month and you're going to save what's left. Yeah, exactly. The problem is when you get there, there's not necessarily a huge amount left of the accounting name at all. Mm. No, but pay yourself first flips that on its head. And what it does is you get paid. The next bill is you. And it's, the, it's an interesting one because most of us, we're not used to putting ourselves at the center of our money. We're nearly afraid we push it out to everybody else. But this puts you at the center of your money and it's paying yourself for your month's job well done. Because if you rock up in a month with no savings, you've essentially worked that month for free. Because you've nothing to show for it for yourself. I haven't progressed anywhere further, especially if you've ever thought. Exactly. It's kind of a sombering thought when you can think yeah. how many late nights people work, how many hours they put in. Yeah. If you don't save and put money into a pension or to savings or whatever that month, mm. you have essentially worked for free. So with um, pay yourself first, it means putting money aside before you even pay your bills. Like treat your money as if it was the most essential bill possible. And that might sound a little bit unnerving when you're starting it, but to start small, like even if it's just 50, 20 yeah. or something like that, but just put it aside, get the practice in place. That's a great habit to get into. Yeah. 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 So, start small and build. 
And okay, perfect. So you can set a goal. And if there's someone looking to save, as I said there, you know, we try and encourage people to set a goal. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 250, something like that. You know, put that away first and then all your bills go out after that. So you know that's gone yes. and there's no hoping at whatever's left over at the end of the month because most of us will have very little left over at the end of the month. Um, that's a great tip. I think that's really important for us. Yeah. And, and the beauty of this as well, Ben, is that once you pay yourself first and have it as a set amount, right? Don't have it as, as everything that you, you kind of had in the gap, but once you yeah. pay your bills, what's left over? That's guilt free. Go have fun money. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Absolutely. And just enjoy it. Just enjoy what is left there and don't even think about it. Whatever it is, if you want to take away, get it. If you want, you know, the nice pair of jeans, get it. And because you have to have something to, it, we're humans. We like our bit of Instant gratification. Sure, sure. And this is a great way of making sure you're securing your future, you're keeping your roof over your head, and you're having that bit of fun that's just yours. Yeah, you can go and spend that on clothes or a night in the cinema or a night out, something like that, knowing safely that you put away their money that you've set your goal for and you put that aside. And you can actually mindfully spend this money without regrets, without worrying, oh, I should have, I should have stuck that in savings as well. No, look, you've done that. You've done your savings for the month. You paid yourself first and you can now go and enjoy that. Brilliant. Exactly. Exactly. That's where the balance comes in. And that's, that also makes it doable month on month on month, year on year on year. And you can do this for the rest of your life and it just works. Perfect. I did. Now, the one other one I wanted to ask you there, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, savings and money experts talk about having an emergency fund. You, you know, all these, all these shows, they say, look, put a thousand away or something like that. You don't like to call it an emergency fund. You would, you call it something else. Yes. I call it a rainy day fund. And the reason I call it a rainy day fund is I know when I was younger and I didn't know much about money and I hear this word emergency fund and I would think you'd nearly have to have a zombie apocalypse before you tap into <laughs> it. So I was like, we're not going to have a zombie apocalypse. Probably. Well, or, or a pandemic or anything like that. Or no, a no, pandemic, no. yep. <laughs> um, so I, I just found the phrase rainy day fund helped me to save. And it helped me to save because in Ireland, it's going to rain. You yeah. don't know when it's going to rain. You don't know how long the rain will last or how heavy the rain is going to be, but it's going to rain. So you need your raincoat, you need your umbrella. And that's what your rainy day fund is because inevitably, an appliance is going to break. The car is going to pack it in. There's something is going to happen that you suddenly have this big deal landing on your plate. But it's it's the unexpected, expected surprises of life. And that's what your rainy day fund is for. And anybody who kind of finds it a bit more difficult to get their head around an emergency fund, just think having this money aside in your rainy day fund for when it inevitably does rain, it's easier to put that money away because you know your car is going to be need to be changed the next by the time or you know that the fridge has been around for way many more decades than what it needs to have been around for and you need to change it. You've named, you've named the exact two things that are gnawing on my mind at the moment. My car is in the garage at the, as we speak and the fridge is making a funny sound. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and and it actually, it's really important for, for savers who are looking to my house and the next step on the journey is to get a mortgage um, I see a lot of people asking questions in, in sort of the groups and, and forums that I, I contribute to. Um, you know, what if something breaks down? What if I need to spend money on this? Uh, can I take it out of my savings fund? And sometimes that is a big no-no with mortgage brokers at least all the banks. They say, look, don't ever touch that fund. If it looks like you're dipping in and out of that, or for say one month, your usual a thousand euros you're going to save in there doesn't go in there because you've spent it on a repairing a car or something like that. Um, you know, avoid that with all costs because the bank sees that as a gap um, or a problem and why you've taken out. Whereas if you can keep that saving, you've done it at the beginning of the month 
and the fridge breaks or whatever it is. If you don't dip into that, but you have that rainy day fund to dip into, you can keep your record clean with your savings account. That's the one the bank or the mortgage broker or the lender are going to be focused on. If you can keep that, keep consistent with that, you have that rainy day fund there, which you can use without worrying about, and you can rebuild it and refill it later. That seems to be a really good tip. Absolutely. And for somebody, if somebody's saving for a deposit, chances are they're either renting or they're living with family or something like that. So you Mm. probably don't need a massive rainy day fund, but you just need to think, okay, what do I have in my life that is going to cost me money? So, and I don't want to touch my home deposit. And it might just be, okay, look, don't need to worry about appliances just yet because that's the landlords, whatever. Uh, but the car usually costs me this amount of money when I get it done. I need to keep it taken over till we get this mortgage approval. So I'll need that extra. 600, a thousand. It doesn't have to it's, be it's often money. It's off my car because you're probably, you're probably hanging on to a car that's a little bit too old, a little bit too tired because you can't go and get another car loan before you get the mortgage loan because that would ruin your credit rating and you'd have that extra bills going out. So you're holding on to the car just to eke it through. And so, hopefully, you know, hopefully after you get the mortgage and you moved in, you can probably go and get a credit union loan or a different car loan and upgrade your car. A lot of people do. But yeah, it's normally the car that goes sort of a week before your mortgage application and well, what do we do? <laughs> and you don't need that stress in your life. No. You absolutely don't. So having that bit of money, and I know it can be tough because you're trying to build up your deposit as much as possible, but think of the protection this is giving you. It's keeping the car on the road. It's keeping your record clean. And you, trust me, when you get to the house, there's going to be a use for this rainy day fund. There's going to be plenty of things that you're going to need to to do the house and all that kind of thing. But if you can, it doesn't have a huge amount of money, have that separately there. And then when you are in your house, have a look around and go, okay, well, what is coming down the line? Because you're going to have different expenses and different bills, but your rainy day fund, just think of those things, the unexpected, expected things you have coming down the line. And that's what you need that for. Brilliant. That's great. Well, I recommend the book. It's fantastic uh, and really will help people on the start of the journey or any part of the journey, even if they have a house and they're, you know, they're, they're looking to put stuff away for pensions or, uh, you know, savings and that sort of thing. It's definitely worth looking at. Um, uh, you, you're obviously, you're very active on Instagram uh, and uh, and you reach a lot of people there. You also, uh, you have courses and things like that. How else are you helping people who are looking for help on this? Yes. So my main day job, I suppose the best way to put it, is I'm a money mindset coach and I coach people to get in the right headspace with money. I teach them how to just get rid of all the negative beliefs and all of that. And then I give them systems that they can manage their money with nice and easily. So just rinse and repeat so that you can just for the rest of your life, be confident with money, feel that you're well able to handle money, have the skill of money, and then the systems that go with it. And that's mainly what I do. But I do have courses. I do have the book and I am on social media quite a lot. Brilliant. I think I probably need to take to, to, to get on your books and, uh, and start getting some coaching for me myself. Um, well, Cal, it's been great. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about that. I think it's going to be really helpful for people just in the start of their journey. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Yes. So Instagram at Miss Smart Money HQ. You'll find me on LinkedIn at Kel Gallivan and at my website at MrsSmartMoney.ie. Totally perfect. That's great. Kel, thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope that we'll have you back another time to talk about another topic and, uh, and keep helping people. All right. Have a great day, Ben. Have you thought about mortgage protection? Probably not. It's an often overlooked but essential part of buying your first home. If you're buying with a mortgage, it's a legal requirement to have mortgage protection in place before you can draw down your loan. Many people forget about it until it's late in the day and often just sign up to a standard mortgage protection offered by their lender. I know that's what I did. 
Beat the Bank could be 40% cheaper than your bank. You can sign up in minutes, completely online, and find policies from just €10 a month. Beat the Bank price match all the top insurers and then get you a discount off the best rate. Niall and the team at Beat the Bank are getting rave reviews from all our followers and our friends. They make things simple for you. No paperwork, no unwanted sales calls, and an end-to-end digital experience. So whether you're about to buy your first home or you already have mortgage protection and life insurance, go to beatthebank.e today and see what you could save. Thanks for staying tuned. Now, in our last couple of segments, we have a fun feature where we are comparing properties on the market and where they are located or what type of property they are. We call this in, out, and away, and also new home versus old home. It actually comes out of a couple of sections in the Irish Home Buyers Journal, where we uh, just take you through an exercise to think about why do I want a secondhand home or a new home, or do I want to be in a house that is in town, on the edge of town, or perhaps can I get away and get something better value for money or in a nicer location? Each week, we're picking a few properties on the market, and we are going to compare them all at the same price range. And I want you to go to my social media at Irish Home Magazine and tell me which one you would choose. So this week on In, Out and Away, we have taken the price range of €350,000. We're looking at a property in Ringsend, a house in Ballybrack, and then a house out in Wicklow Town. First, we're looking at 73 Ringsend Park. This is a traditional Dublin red brick workers' cottage. It's actually two-storey, you can see from the skies. But you can see from the aerial photo, there, right over the back is the P&O ferries. This is right on the River Liffey, right in the centre of Ringsend, Dublin 4. Inside, the ground floor is just a single open-plan room, living room and kitchen, with a tiny courtyard garden, and looks like upstairs, two dormant bedrooms. That's our inn for €350,000. Uh, out on the suburbs is Ballybrack. Ballybrack is a really nice area. This is actually a sale that we have. And it's an area with a lot of ex-council houses that are being done up. This one hasn't been. It's a three-bed semi-detached ex-council house for €330,000. Needs a bit of work, but could be scrubbed up really nicely. It has a car parking bay and a side passage. Finally, away. This is Six Glebe Mount on the edge of Wicklow Town. This is a three-bed semi-detached house in beautiful condition inside, lovely grey interiors, uh, has been modernised and done up. It's semi-detached with off-street parking, with lovely big south-facing back garden. This is also on the market for 350000 So which would you choose? The inner city, two-bed red brick terrace in the middle of town, on the edge of Dublin City in Ballybrack, or the three-bed semi out of town in the heart of County Wicklow? You go to our social media and tell us which one you would choose. Our second part of the feature is new home versus old home. Here we compare a new built home in a particular town with a second-hand home in the same town uh, for roughly the same price range, just to see what you can get for the same value for money. Today we are going to a lovely town called Lismore, which is in County Waterford, but it's on the Cork border. This looks like a lovely old market town, and there's a new home scheme called the Mills, just being built on the outskirts of the town. A three-bed semi in the Mills will set you back €295,000. These are beautifully finished stone-fronted houses with beautiful open-plan interiors and fitted kitchens already with large island units and what looks like a marble surface. These houses are practically practically complete apart from just your choice of flooring. They have beautiful tiled bathrooms and nice-sized back gardens. 
Now for our old home, we found this beautiful old house in the town centre on Chapel Street, which was obviously a shop on the ground floor originally, but has been converted into a fine family home. Again, it's priced at 295000 whereas the new build was A2 rated, this is only a D1. Uh, but it has been nicely modernized inside with a beautiful modern kitchen, small but perfectly comfortable living room. Uh, some of the bathrooms have been done in a shabby chic style, uh, and there are plentiful bedrooms up through the three stories of this house. It has a largish courtyard garden, but it is in the center of town compared to the other one, which is on the suburbs. So which would you choose? The A-rated new build on the outskirts of town or the refurbished period home in the heart of the town centre. Go to our social media and comment below or click on one of the poll buttons to choose. Finally, we're going to finish the show with three items of the news that you should know. The first is an article from the Irish Examiner, written by Owen McGee. Inflation is everywhere we look, but we can control some things. Owen has some really positive ideas about cutting your costs, the main two being switching energy supplier, which everyone should be doing on a regular basis to see if they can get the best rate, even when they are putting up the rates. And secondly, switching your mortgage lender. If you're on a variable rate or still on a long-term tracker, now would be the time to switch. There are some excellent value fixed-term mortgages out there for longer-term periods, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, it's worth talking to a mortgage broker and having a look at those. That takes us to our second article, this from breakingnews.e. Homeowners urged act now to avoid mortgage repayment hikes. And again, on the same theme, Martina Hennessy from doddle.ie, we're talking to her in episode three. Uh, she has said, don't wait till next year. Now is the time to lock your mortgage into a fixed rate mortgage before rate increases go up again. Finally, the third article from the journal.ie, house prices likely to increase in coming months despite significant increase in supply. Now, I think this might seem quite out of date in a few weeks time. Let's just see where things are going. Certainly the house price rate of increase is continuing to rise, but a lot more slowly than it was in the last year. They expect significant supply to come online and demand to keep up with that. But we may quite quickly find that with interest rate rises, demand slips away. And I know builders are finding it increasingly difficult to complete sites. And that might also slow down as well. So let's hold on and see what is happening. That's your news for the week. Thanks very much for everyone who tuned in this week to the whole show. Uh, next episode, we are talking to Kaz Mooney about savings. I'm going to be going into more detail about practical steps for you if you're starting to save for your mortgage. If you want to get a copy of the Irish Home Buyer's Journal, then please do go to our website, irishhome.ie. You can order one there. Remember to use our discount code SHOW to get free shipping. Uh, you can also go to our social media at Irish Home Magazine. I'd love to see you there and you can respond to some of our segments on their own videos there. And please, please leave a five-star review on wherever you're listening to your podcast. It really helps the show grow and reach more people that hope we can help find their next home. All the best. I've been Ben Thompson. This has been the Irish Home Show. I look forward to seeing you next week and uh, listen to the next episode. It'll be out in your feed now.
Our incredible theme music, Silhouette, was written and performed by up-and-coming Irish artist Finn O'Hara. Go find him on Spotify or YouTube. And thanks to ACAST for hosting and supporting this show.